Hi, and welcome to another Making Sense of It with me, Emma Kenny. And me, Peter Smith. And this little beauty, Molly Boo. Molly Boo, if you're listening on iTunes, is a one-year-old silver chihuahua who's pretty amazing, was a little bit confused because she's meant to be a short-coated one, but she's actually a mid-coated one. She's a recessive gene, which apparently means she's somewhere in between. And she's Mexican. And she's beautiful. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. Like, mm. maybe that's the voice that I think that she should be. Well, we were doing voices the other day <laughs> for the dogs, and I just realised they're actually Mexican dogs, aren't they? So it'd be like... <laughs> See, I don't really know Mexican accents apart from I remember there was that little... Any money, man, they're under Yeah. I was thinking there was game with guys, really, yeah. Speedy Gonzalez, when I was a kid, yeah, I was going to Speedy Gonzalez, eh, gringo. Uh, is that racist? No, it's I from, don't know. No, it's not. It's not. Well, it's not. I didn't it's, um, say it. So if it's, it's offended an, anybody, then I think you need to put letters on a postcard to Peter yeah. Smith. No, it's he's really, the it's, a, it's, 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 it's like Westerns and stuff in it. I think Gringo means like I don't know. Like, towards I us, will have a look if you want. Oh dear! Is Could I put my foot in my Gringo. mouth? Gringo! Oh, 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 oh! The dog's just fallen off the head table and headbutted it. Go racist. <laughs> Deary me, I hope not. Do, 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 Trump will do, be on the do, phone. Do, do, hey, do, 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 do you want to come do, 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 make my America great again? It's apparently racist. Oh dear. It's a racial slur for white people, so it's all right, my love. Oh, right, so it's like. You've been racist towards me. Yeah, so I'm basically. a gringo. Yeah, hey, gringo. And we yeah. don't mind. Yeah, we're right. owning it. We're, yeah. we're owning it. It's ours. We're taking, we're taking it back. Yeah, we are taking it back. We'll be changing this making sense of it to gringo sense. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I haven't made any sense whatsoever. I haven't since ever made any sense ever uh, in the world. Yeah. I'm trying different areas of the kitchen out now with different cameras and different lighting and different things. It's. Uh, I'm not. I just I turn up and sit there. down and have a coffee. Yeah. So this week has been an interesting week. Yeah, Last week it. was an exhausting week. This week has been less of an exhausting week, but when I have a less of an exhausting week, I find it hard to do anything. Yeah. Do you not ever find that? Like, I've got like a hundred things to do. I feel really motivated and inspired. And I'll be like, yes, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do this. But when I have to do my own stuff, so obviously, even though it's not been exhausting in the fact that I've not had to go away, I've still been doing more work for my projects and stuff. Yeah. But because I'm not external and don't go outside very much, you just don't feel like you really do anything. Even though you know you are doing something, you don't really feel like when I'm writing my columns or I'm recording my hypnosis or I'm seeing a client, it's at my house. So I just feel like I'm not really doing anything. But this is going to be broken up now because of the fact that we are off. Da, 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 da. Yes, we are off. Tonight, we are going to Surrey. Is it Surrey? Sandown Park. Sandown Park, yeah. And it's in Esher. It's in Esher, sorry. It's definitely in Surrey. Esher. Esher? Sorry. Right. As in, when you said Esher there, I was thinking, the artist? No, obviously not. Well, it's a bit artistic, what we're doing. Yeah, it is. So if you've listened to our podcast before... And you may not have, so I'll give you a quick recap. I do think you will. I don't think you'll just have blindly stumbled on the Well, I don't know if they have. I mean, you know, I do excuse the first few. The filming wasn't the best, the sound wasn't the best, and we are gradually getting into what I could probably say better territory when it comes to time frames where we can make them and, and set ups and stuff, so it's getting better. But yeah, sorry I digress. Anyway, we in a previous podcast talked about the fact that we went over to a youth conference and a youth summit in Germany and when we got there we realised that it wasn't just an ordinary youth summit it was Amma's youth summit and Amma is 
the hugging saint. And we mentioned back then that we were going to be meeting her and getting a hug. So that's where we're going. We're we going are. off tonight to Surrey. It's a bit of a long drive. Not going to be setting off till later on. Bit of a long drive, but we're taking the kids. I know that I'm breaking the law. And I know that I shouldn't be taking my children out of school oh, in we time. That, though. We say that though, and because they go to a, a church school, um, I'm sure there's a thing in the um, clause of why they can stay off. And I'm almost sure, I'm hundred percent sure, in fact, that it's classed as it's not a religion, you see, but it's still classed as a spiritual excursion. And it's you know, so and you say someone who's a Muslim and they've got Eid or so they've got to go for celebrations or whatever. This could be construed as one of them, really. It could be included. If in we'd that. actually asked the permission yeah, of the have. headmaster. They've got diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> but we're actually is it acceptable to actually go and see a hugging saint when you know that you're lying to somebody I don't know but I like balance so maybe that is how mm. balanced we are we are lying to go and get our spiritual yeah. freedom but it's kind of exciting well it is it's, I think it's something to do with shaping you know it's just something that we can tell our grandkids they can tell their kids it's so you know you, it's not every day that you go and visit somebody that's meant to be like, you know, I don't know, a living saint. It, it's, it's interesting. And I am hoping that it's transformative. They say that it's transformative. I have read quite a lot of stuff by psychologists and psychiatrists mm. and people in the mental health field who've actually gone and seen her and felt really, really connected to something greater. I don't know whether that's just because she does so much good work and like raises well, just like inspirational in that, in that sense, billions of pounds. I don't know whether it's that or whether it is just that maybe she is connected to some kind of energy that is more pure than mine. But I am interested. Maybe I feel nothing. I don't know. Yeah. But, but as I say, it's, 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 it's the experience that you get when you go there. You see, the volunteers come from around the world. Like we've mentioned before on the other podcasts, and uh, it's like I was trying to explain to our two boys who come with us because uh, we checked we check about what you, the first thing you think is like, is it like a cult? Is it like a religion? And it's not. It but, is like a religion. It's like a religion, but it's not. It's no, it's, it is a religion. Is it a religion? Of course, it's a religion. Is it more based on like Hinduism or? Well, Hinduism is a massive religion. Yeah, is it based on that then? Or it's it... got elements of Hinduism. Right, so, so they believe in certain things that I don't believe in. Yeah, so they believe that whatever your life is what you deserve. So you pay the price of your past in yeah. your current life. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe my best friend who died of really horrific yeah, cancer yeah, in absolute few, agony. Yeah. I don't believe that she deserved to die because of a past life. I don't believe the woman who's being raped and beaten by her domestically abusive partner deserved that life. Yeah. Because that's equal to saying the person who beat her and abused her was in a situation where the power that they determined was something they deserved from a past life. Yeah. So that's where I get confused. But everybody has issues within their particular religious doctrine that's why I don't follow a religious doctrine. And more and more, I think I've always catapulted myself when I talk about religion into Christian faith. So I always think when I look back at where I went to church, when we used to have the boys when they were little, I would go to the local church, which was Christian. Mm-hmm. And it was Baptist Christian, but it's very much the, I would say, Western white baptism yeah, as yeah. opposed to the more kind of, you know, fun churches yeah, that are much more mixed or yeah, yeah, yeah have a lot yeah. of African influence where you kind of get the craziness yeah. and the fun but I've always kind of gravitated myself towards Christian beliefs is that because of the sort of like the kindness elements no I've because it's moderate moderate yeah it's just, it's just moderate. That I found that with with the Amma um, uh, followers and the people who, who were sort of really close to well, there's a lot, yeah there's a lot a lot of millions yeah millions um, it's just kindness it seems to be like we mentioned before they're 
their thing is just to be kind, you know? And Well, yeah, of course, because the whole premise of their belief system is the way that they are in this life affects how they'll be in the next life. Yeah, so, of course, operate with fine. kindness. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, just to get a bit of a... Um, obviously, it's nice and kind in my house, and I try and surround myself by kind people, but it's, it's difficult in the world of, of the rat race, isn't it? You know? I think just as well, the fact is that as I've grown older and throw myself from one crisis to another as we tend to in life, <laughs> I think I've realised that I don't have any religious beliefs at all. Mm. I just have a really strong faith in creation. I don't mean creation as in Adam and Eve. That's a whole crock of crazy. Yeah. But the idea that we are connected to something bigger, brighter, better potentially yeah. than just this human experience and form. And we always talk about vegetarianism like we're two really annoying individuals oh, who just no, have the constant rhetoric of vegetarianism. But nonetheless, part of being a vegetarian for us is I really can accept when meat eaters tell me that apparently their steak is delicious. I fully accept that that might be the case. Mm -hmm. I also accept that meat might be something that if it wasn't connected to death, I might be able to enjoy. So I don't deny the flavor. I don't deny the texture. I don't deny the enjoyment of meat to people who eat meat. What I choose to do is to not have that in my life because I can't imagine being party and privy to snuffing the life out of a living sentient being. I just cannot connect with it. It distresses me. It distressed me when I went to the Dover Exports for Veal many, many years ago and I heard those little calves screaming. They screamed in an unholy, terrifying, broken fashion. Mm. And you would feel as a mother now and as a child back then, you related to that. Because a mother has heard her child scream in pain and a child has been a child who screamed in pain. And the one lesson I took from those exports was that veal, that calf, he was screaming in fear and pain. Mm. And it stayed with me my entire life. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it is, uh, the world is changing with, with the way that people um, eat. I don't know whether it's, it's just, it's, it's, I think there's more people sort of turn into vegetarians <coughs> and realising, you know, more it's than ever. more prominent as well because, yeah, in fact, that is true. Yeah, it isn't, I was going to say, is it just because social media is there? And no, it's no, it's definitely, It is actually, yeah. definitely, isn't it? <coughs> it's about 8% of the yeah. British population. Now, I'll tell you what, the Linda McCartney burgers, the, the mozzarella burgers and the quarter pounders, I swear to God, anybody, just, you know, myself and Emma can literally give it to anybody who's a meat eater and I guarantee they will just be like this is amazing it is the I mean I can't believe that there's nowhere that sells them that's our backup plan <laughs> that's all life goes wrong I've just told you now we're stay tuned it. kids yeah. <laughs> we're gonna open a it's our new it adventure you know, I can't wait till the Beyond Meat stuff comes I know so a big shout out to them I always talk, chat to them on Twitter they're, they're, look, I mean I can't wait till they get over here but Beyond Meat is just with the Impossible Burger the Impossible Burger yeah <laughs> sausages and it just looks like it's wait, the people vegan. are like oh, why don't you just eat meat you want it to look like meat we're it's going like, to the, not, we're going to the vegan festival next week we're going on a sunday to mm. manchester victoria baths and they've got a full day devoted to vegan food and it's just we can eat anything there and yeah. that is such a thing like donuts and we can eat like bratwurst but like the meat-free yeah. version delicious. Do you know what i don't think this has to become a thing about vegetarianism no. let's just take a step back because people are going to yeah. be so bored and of people us. are probably wondering why we've got but a, i'm not talking on the, on the table I'm not talking about that, though. I'm talking about the fact that Amma and the link that I have to that goodness yeah. is kind of like preservation of life. Yeah, and I think yeah. that the preservation of life, they're all vegetarian and vegan. 
that's really impressive. You know, yeah. people who follow Amara are all vegetarian and vegan because of that connection to life. So I think that I have grown to a position in my life where I'm seeking something different. Like I was listening to Russell this morning and when I listen to Russell, you kind of see him as an actor and a comedian, but his being isn't really meant to be about that. I mean, that's his how he funds his lifestyle. Yes, absolutely. But he isn't yeah. that. You know, one of the things that I have deep respect for, and I think that Russell is a bit like Marmite for people in the world. Yeah. I think you either are a devotee of his beliefs, like I am, yeah. or you're somebody who gets annoyed with him because they look at his wealth and think, how on earth can you try for even a minute yeah, that's, that's, that's always the argument, isn't it? That's no not argument. That's always the statement that you get from people that, that, that don't necessarily like what Russell's all about. And it's just, oh, how can you say that when you live in your massive house and do this and that, you know? And it's like, I don't think... You see, the media really does put a mask and a, and a front on things, doesn't it, you know? And like, like you're saying, he, he's... He could just be sat there with working his, his backside off, because he does, and doing all this stuff and making all this money and doing it in a, in a, using it for what people expect celebrities to be using it for out there, doing stuff, buying things, doing this, you know. Fair enough, he's, he's a hard worker, he's been through the mill, you know, and he has, so nobody can deny that. And he's worked his way up, and he's done what he can do, and he's using his status, his profile. Like he talked about Kanye West earlier, didn't he, when you were watching that, and he's saying it's good to see some, another celebrity, other celebrities out there, trying to look at the way they've conformed to society and the way things are done, you know, and he's, he's using his platform to, ex, to explore life isn't he really and you know it's it's i think that's what you're getting at isn't it it's sort of more of a you know he's he's, he's not going down the road of typical celebrities i mean it's kind of the dichotomy isn't it you can't make a difference and be a voice unless you're famous so it's almost mm. like it's counterproductive the argument isn't it yeah. like you said it's a case of he's up there trying to do as much good as possible yeah. but to do that people have to follow him so he has to be famous. So like you said, you can't win. He's yeah, doing yeah. all that good, but requires all that money so that he consistently is in the press yeah. so that he can do all that good. But it doesn't deny the fact that he's doing it. But when you kind of look at some of the messages that he's constantly trying to put out there, it's his own search for being and meaning. It's like he's doing a religious degree at the moment, yeah. looking at all different theologies and doctrines. And that, to me, I think is in a different way, personally, where I think I'm going at the moment. I was just doing some work this morning. I was writing my Closer column. And obviously, like I have like a real affinity to Closer magazine. Because they kind of took me on a long time ago when I really wasn't very well known, but they just kind of connected with a much younger version of me and felt that I was somebody who they could grow with. And they've cradled me. They've really cradled me, Closer magazine. And I have a real joy of being very good friends with Lisa Burrow, who's one of the editors and is somebody who I kind of really regret doesn't live near me. It's like Siobhan Freegard, who's Net Mums and now Channel Mum. Again, I regret that I don't live near them. These are women that yeah. inspire There's me. There's another lady as well, isn't there? Di. Oh, Dia Carter's one yeah. of my best mates. Yeah. I, Di Carter, I do get to see quite a lot. Yeah, so yeah, Di yeah. from CI Channel, for any of you CI fans who are listening to that, Di and me are like bloody sisters she doesn't really figure in the same way because I chat to her every week yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas the other women I don't get as much because they're so busy I know the idea. So and it's good. always about trying to catch time but yeah I'd love to be surrounded by those women and I think that one of the things that was 
checking in with myself this morning, I was just writing a thing basically about some research that's been done. And it said that 84% of the population blame basically the society around them and the boredom that they feel with their life for not making any changes. And I was reading it and throughout I was just kind of writing that stuff about, you know what, the biggest killer of life and dream is apathy. It's a sense of apathy. It's like always knowing that you could, but not ever reaching and doing. Yeah. And I was sitting there, I was just thinking to myself, you know what, as I was writing it, and I was kind of writing about the fact that those quotes, be the change that you want to be in the world and that you want to see in the world. And also kind of that spiritual place that I think I'm going to, there's that voice in the back of my head and it constantly says the same thing to me. It constantly says, you're not going to be doing this. You're going to be doing something else. You're not going to be doing this. You're going to be doing mm. something else. And it's not that I'm not happy in my life and it's not that I don't constantly motivate myself to do whatever I can. And I know what my big picture is. My big picture is I need to raise a certain amount of money to do what I want to do. I can't have my healing centres without having that money and it's a chicken and egg you push yourself into the corporate world to make money so that you can then alleviate that internal agony of not being where you know you're meant to be so that you can then do what you're going to do and somewhere on the way there is that vision of self-sacrifice that you have to go through and I suppose the shedding of what you would ideally have liked to get where you need to go but you also have to consistently reference yourself back to that anchor of what is it that I know my life's meant to be about and it's a little bit like the other day when that client came and I have those periods of time where I go from being on TV, which I'm really thankful for. I don't ever have a bad time in TV. And mm. I'll be honest with you, as much as it can be quite an insidious place to work, I've just been really lucky because uh, my experiences have been really nice. Maybe it's because I don't take it too you're seriously. Nice, you're, not, you're a nice person. But I don't yeah. know whether it's because I don't take it too seriously or whatever. It does pay my wages and it does pay my bills, as does corporate world and things like that. So I'm kind of going on that journey and I know that I need that and that pays my bills and I'm very thankful. But then I'll go and connect with my therapeutic work yeah. and I walk out feeling revigorated and really inspired. And I'm just reminded there, going back to my initial point, that I have something that connects more with, I suppose, the soulful spiritual of being yeah. than I do with the corporate success of being. And I play those roles where I need to be in both domains, one where I find intense comfort, one where I find quite painful. But to some degree, it's being in the quite painful that then promotes my enjoyment of the most soulful. So to some degree, both has purpose. But bringing it back to the spirituality side, I've realized that I don't necessarily have any connection with any religion which is leaving me feeling a little bit unanchored and a little bit lost and I don't know whether that's because I'm en route to realizing that it's all irrelevant and connection with other human beings has to have no dictation of belief or whether you even need to have a belief it doesn't really matter maybe that's the counterintuitive part of it I was talking to Di actually Di Carter who's an atheist and we were kind of having a discussion And she said, are you religious? And I said, no, I don't follow any religion. I said, but I have great faith. And I said, are you an atheist? Because I picked up that she was. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, you may as well call yourself a Christian then. And she was like, why? And I said, because you're saying that you absolutely know that there is no God. And you don't. And I said, and that's like a Christian saying there absolutely is a God. They don't know. One has faith. One has faith. I said, therefore, they're both as equal as each other. You are allowed to say you're agnostic. I do not know. And I think to some degree, I 
really get annoyed with atheists because they will be so confirmed. It's a bit like when you meet a meat eager and they go, yeah, yeah, we're meant to eat meat, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh yeah, of course we are. Yeah, yeah, you really know that, don't you? Because you've been here forever and that's exactly what we're meant to do and you really know the fabric of being. You may as well not have the argument. Whereas if you say to me, like my brother does now, who was an atheist and yeah, I argued no, with yeah, him time yeah, and time again, yeah. I'm an agnostic. I have complete empathy with that. You're an agnostic. You don't know. So you're open. And I think that God, whatever God is, whatever God will be to each individual, mother nature through to actual connection with a deity, whatever it is you choose, it's the fact that you just have this sense of possibility. And for some of us, that sense of possibility feels so real that we call it God. For me, when I go to bed at night and I talk to Pam and I talk to the people I've lost of meaning, particularly Pam, and I ask for protection for my boys. You know, I don't expect that there's some force field being sent down where Pam sat next to me on the bed going, all right, I'm really glad that you still remember me, Emma. And yes, it was a bit shit how I died. And I'm sorry, but it's all right. I've got a door here and you'll walk through it one day and we'll be on the other side and we're brilliant. I don't think that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think God's like going, send the Gabriel down to make sure these two boys are protected forever. <laughs> you know, of course not. That's not going to happen. But it makes me feel that I'm being heard And it makes me feel that if something did happen to one of my boys or I got sick and died, that I feel that they would hear that feeling of protection somehow. They would hear that knowledge that I'd been that way of feeling and I think that presence and bringing it into my life. So I just feel like at the moment a bit unanchored and I feel untethered and I'm like, what does this mean? And I've sat there and I was thinking again today, I think I've mentioned it to you before, I think I need to kind of start some groups of like-minded people I don't just mean online I'm talking about like physically I think I really crave the physical you know like some kind of sitting and being I suppose the closest you'd say is like the Quakers who don't necessarily believe in a God at all but they kind of just come on there together and they call them friends and it's that sense of like maybe all of us humans who are struggling with feeling untethered but still seeking something greater maybe we need to tether to each other and figure it out that way. I don't know. It's just no, no, where I, I am. Get, I, I get that. You know, you know um, obviously some people are going to be listening going, oh, she wants to start a cult. <laughs> but it's just <laughs> not, but, <laughs> well, um, but I get it. Yeah, it's, there's something, times are changing. You know, there's big shifts in, in a lot of things, you know, from, you know, energy shifts have been happening for, for a good while now, you know, hence why, you know, people are waking up in certain ways, you know. I mean, I'm not really aware of energy shifts. No, I, I don't mean energy shifts in like, oh. I no, mean, I know, but that whole waking up stuff, again, I just, no. I think humans no, have I'm been... No, I mean like sort of towards like the sort of looking at, you know, there's a lot more people for the planet. There's a lot, there's a lot less people. people. There's a lot less, this idea of manufactured Western belief that there are a lot more people who are conscious is ridiculous. No, I mean we, about, No, but think about what you just said. I'm not having to go, yeah. you, I hear really? it. I hear it. I see it in the secret. I hear it in the Celestine prophecy from years ago. Yeah. I hear it everywhere. This idea of this consciousness, this lack of uniformity all of a sudden, people starting to break the systems, right? We didn't have systems. We yeah. became yeah. corporate. We became materialistic. We became yeah. westernized. We can see colonialism. We can see that. We were very conscious. The Native Americans were incredibly conscious. Yeah. They had spirituality. They had survival. Yes, they ate meat. So it's like, it's like, it's like, instead of waking up, it's like, find, it's right. like, going it's about going, oh, wait a minute. People yeah. were a bit happier back then, weren't they? Yeah. Maybe we need yeah. to just think about why. Yeah, and absolutely. and actually, one of the things you can see now, if you go to Cambodia, 
for example. Now, we're not talking about Cambodia in the villages that are more, we would say, dealt with from the Western world. So there are areas of Cambodia that are more modern. Talking about in the kind of far out areas, women create, the fathers, I should say, create love huts for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The girl goes out and is like, you in my love hut. Has sex with him, goes, eh, eh, maybe. No, you go off and I'm going to choose. Another. And she goes through as many as she wants until she picks her suitor. No way. They live with the land. Their view and perception of life is so yeah. distorted is so compared to I mean, I'm married to you. And like, I've never, ever, like, it's just crazy. It's like, I'm still blown away by these things. That, we've never talked about this before. You know, no. like, like, this is, you know, a little... Mm knowledge bits that you have inside you like this encyclopedia of no just that stuff. feminism interests me across the world yeah, I so. and, you know, I think do you know there's a place actually where women and it's particularly in certain areas of africa and it's also represented elsewhere where women who are pregnant work in the fields until they basically give birth they go back to their place their hut they give birth then the father gets in bed and spends two weeks wailing and looking after the baby and being like all dealt with in that way while she goes back to the field. Wow. That's like, that's like... Hardcore! It's like a, a reversal of, of, of roles I in suppose, a Western world, isn't it? It's like I that, suppose part of it Western, is to do, you know, right, okay, I've done it for nine months, I'm going to go back out now and carry on working because I'm a hardcore bitch. By the way, you, you can yeah. spend the next few weeks in bed with the newborn. Yeah. So obviously the way that culture and characteristics yeah. are formed dictated by the schemas that we live in and there's no perfect scheme like I totally do get what you mean when you say about people changing but if anything the way that our whole western civilization is dealt and built is all about us all doing what we're told yeah well exactly so I just think that that feeling untethered and unanchored is like really really connecting for me at the moment and I don't know what it's about really I really don't I think I started this whole podcast series with the feeling <laughs> of an existential crisis and yeah. I think I'm definitely going through it yeah. and one of the things that is really significant for me at the moment is I don't watch myself on tv very often and yeah. um, it might surprise people that a lot of people who work in tv don't, we yeah. don't even see it in that way but occasionally it'll be put online and it will be tweeted, and sometimes you do that with the stuff. I, I, I like to, um, well, it's just a relevance, isn't it? You try and mm. keep up the profile because, as you say, you, you need to, to do it to, to earn money, to pay the bills, to, and you can figure out where you want to go. Yeah, but the thing is that, like, more and more, because I'm exposed to those little bits, everything's in HD. Like, HD's the devil. HD TV is the devil. Anybody over the age of 24 is basically exposing themselves to just the minuscule detail of your yeah, body. Yeah, I mean, like, you know what? I mean, the HD 4K, super HD 4K, it can almost, if you've got a pore on your face, yeah. you can almost see a blackhead forming three miles down in it. You know, that clear, you know, know. it is super duper clear. So. so because of that, I have been fighting an internal battle because I have quite an expressionful face. I have like a very expressionful face. And if you're watching this here, it won't be as bad because even though it's a 5D camera, it's a decent camera and it looks it's a, quite it's nice a, on the filter. <laughs> even though it isn't filtered, it's kind of got its own filter. So even though I look a bit rough on this, I can handle it if I see bits of it. But when I do things like this morning, it's like this morning I've gone like super on crack kind of cameras, you know, like what would a camera be like if it could basically see your internal organs? <laughs> there it is, right there. 
And I have got a dodgy face. It's, my husband loves me, and I appreciate that, right? But Absolutely. I have got the dodgiest face. Like, when you look at me in well, detail... Well, I we're past this dodginess that you're talking about. And that's about. fine, but it's there. So part of the stuff about watching myself on television occasionally when it comes up is just that I hate looking at myself at all anyway because yeah, I have yeah. such a dodgy face like my nose has been broken so many times and they've tried to kind of stop it breaking anymore and because it's so weak and um, interesting life hence why my, life's been, my nose has been broken that many times and that's not including when they've rebroke it to try to get it back to looking normal yeah. and it's never worked it just looks like, it's like an ongoing theme, just like somebody's it? put it on a bit wrong and yeah. a bit up but um, nonetheless I've had mine broken once Pardon? I've had mine broken once. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had mine broken several times, but the point is it's a surgery to try to fix it from collapsing because of that. Yeah, yeah. That's been an issue. So, honestly, if I catch sight of myself, I'm like, oh, my God. But the other thing is, in TV, a lot of people have got completely frozen faces and filled faces. So, like, they have filler in the cheeks and they have, like, a lot of Botox. And I am really expressionful. So, I do this a lot and I've got loads of lines there. And I'm in that moment right now where I'm saying to myself, it's really hard to not just go, right, what can I have done? I know I had the most expensive painful, but expensive and face pain, I'm sorry, the most <laughs> I know I had the most expensive and most painful facial, but that was natural, right? But it's like, I'm in that point where I'm going, oh, you know, you have to get to a point where you're like, it's just gonna happen, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna get old, yeah. it's happening. And, you know, I was in a cab the other day with a 25-year-old and he was chatting to me and he went, you're how old? And I said, I'm, I'm 45. And he went, oh my God, I thought you were like 32. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I don't look like I'm in my 20s anymore. How ridiculous. <laughs> the, the, you know, how ridiculous. It's a age, It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's re- I wish I looked like I did in my 30s. Yeah. But it was that kind of recognition of... What you kind of always yeah. trying to achieve is something that's so far back yeah. and it's almost associated with so many other things that didn't work that you kind of have to be grateful for now. And again, I think that when I talk about that existential crisis and for any of your listeners who've been with us since day one, you'll feel like you've been through it with me. Yeah. And actually, when I talk about it, like on Twitter and stuff, people are really quick to go, you know, God, this is exactly what I'm having. But I think it does come down to that growing, gnawing feeling that I need to do something quite drastic to start that journey of real acceptance. And I think that possibly it's to do with that connection with other people who don't have a religion, but just have a sense of being connected to something. And I want to do that. Yeah, it's like... You mean as in like sort of like you said like a, like a centre or, or a group and or a... Well, I want my healing centres. That's why I've yeah. done everything I mean, I to get where I am. I think fantastic healing, you know, Emma Kenny's healing centres. I, I don't right. want Emma Kenny at the front of it. I'm no. not a bloody megalomaniac, but just, yeah. <laughs> I, want it to be, I want it to be a place of, of healing. But no, until I can do that, I just think, mm. you know, I'm not bothered about money. I don't charge people and things like that. Oh, I just yeah. want to kind of get people to... See, this is the that people make. No, don't. Let's yeah. not go into it. Yeah. Don't, you don't need to make me out to be a great person. Yeah. You always want to defend me, and it's fine. Yeah. Lots of people are out there. I get there, very defensive, mate. We've talked about it before. I get very defensive. Yeah. You know, and then you just put me, put me in, in the right place and the right frame of mind. It's just like, Sometimes. Honestly, it's brilliant being married to her. It's just like, you just sort of like, you know, I can't. I've stopped, you know, I don't lie anymore because I can't, because it's impossible. You know, <laughs> she knows I'm going to say something before I've even said it. You still exaggerate. You know, uh, yeah, but that's me. I can exaggerate, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, now, whenever Pete tells you something, you just turn the volume down about eight 
eight of the variables, just like right low, and then you kind of where it was what, what it That's was. Fine. Me, me and my dad get on really well. Yeah, my dad's feeling a lot better now for anybody who's kind of interested. Yeah. Oh, yawning, apology. My tired. dad's, um, no, I'm not tired, actually. My dad, um, I'm a boring yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, massively, actually, Peter. <laughs> but my dad's doing really well now. He's like nearly back to normal, I'd say. So he not is, only getting yeah. over sepsis and renal failure, but actually the delirium is nearly cleared. And whilst he's still a little bit edgy, and we're getting the most amazing treatment by oh an NHS gosh. doctor who's yeah. just incredible, called yeah. Professor Richard Hindley. Incredible man. It's just bedside manner of a saint. And can't wait to meet him but personally because literally saving my dad's situation so much. In fact, to some degree, helping him just with a better life and also he is gonna have a he's not going to get a problem with his kidneys like he did again because of this man it's like amazing yeah. kindness is out there you know the kindness is out there everywhere it's, it's, you know there's, there's um, and it's, it's, it's that's the thing with kindness sometimes you come across people where they're online in real life and you sort of you know you need to, you need mm. to sort of go I'm not going to go into that zone yeah. of, of Negativity. negativity yeah I put a thing out on Twitter last night that basically said you know when you have the power to literally ruin someone yes you do and even though you know you've got that power, you refrain from doing it. Mm. And like some people who follow me were just like, let it be. And some people were like, that person actually who it was about definitely came on and tried to troll me. And I'm just like, whatever. My followers defended me because that's what my followers do. Because we're not like followers and yeah. fans and all of that. It's like, they're like my little world of cyber world yeah. family. But I'm in that position now where I'm like, what's next? What, what do I do? Next? What I do know. I do? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm... you keep coming home, don't you? With uh, I nearly bought a pot-bellied pig today, or I need, you know, and it's sort of we we. I mean, Emma's really, really, really cute because she likes to watch the videos of dogs that. Um... Yeah, for anybody out there who has mental health issues like anxiety or depression, I have resolved that a lot of my mental health can be managed with dog rescue. If you are a particular advocate of such things, pause for homes and hope for paws. These hope, are all yeah, hope for paws. Yeah, hope for paws, pause for homes. There are lots of different ones that you can go on. Oh my and God, we watched Emma Amazing. Showed me, she showed me a thing the other day of um, where was it? Was it in Scotland somewhere? The just one of the homes, and there was just oh God, it must have been. Oh, it was in Wales. Dog, Wales, dog after dog after dog. You see, I, I, we had a conversation. I'm not. I, I was never a dog man. You know, when you say yourself you're a dog person or a cat person or a budgie person or whatever, you know. No one's a budgie person. You were a budgie person. I was a budgie rejector. You still had. A, you were still a budgie. I person, gave it my gran. Did you? Yeah. Did you have a cuttlefish? I had a cuttlefish. Yeah. Grandma loved Peter. What is a cuttlefish? It's like a piece of. It's a fish that's like dried and hard, like a cuttlefish, like a shelly kind of fish. That's terrible. Do you like I the beaks it was on just, it? I thought it was just. I don't know what yeah, it is. It, is it? I don't is know it just what the it is. A... It did look fish shaped, kind of like yeah, white and it? hard, yeah. dry. It's like a stone, like yeah, a shell, isn't it? I don't know. Budgies are mental. boring. Yeah. Some of them can talk. Oh, yeah, but you get that. You're under the notion that like you're going to get a budgie and you're going to teach you how to talk. My grandma wants to go, Joey, Joey, not Peter, obviously. <laughs> like <laughs> Peter with an identity crisis. I'm not Peter, I'm Joey. <laughs> Joey, that's Joey. New, that's a whole new world. Why did they call it? me Peter? Yeah. And now uh, she called it, yeah. Joey, and then Bluey, next one. Bluey. How do they know it Bluey. was male? Bluey. How did they know it was male? Yeah. I don't know, Peter. Maybe because the people in the shop realise what a male looks like. They have little balls, don't they? <laughs> One would imagine they had balls. Pick them up and look at the budgie balls. Well, they have. Surely they have balls. <laughs> budgie balls. <laughs> budgie balls. 
got a little ring to that, hasn't it? Little tiny, uh, little, tiny little balls for a budgie. Yeah, little budgie balls. How'd you get those balls out? <laughs> to be honest, Wookie, our chihuahua, is a little <laughs> chihuahua, and he's got like a really, really quite a large penis. So I don't know. It could yeah, be like that. I was, you know what? When I was really taken aback by that. When I, it, it was shocking. It was like one, one minute. It's Cuttlefish or cuttles are marine animals of the order Cepeda. They belong to the class Cephalopoda. No, Cephalopoda. Cephalopod. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Why don't you know? And also includes squid, octopuses, and natiluses. Cuttlefish have a unique internal shell, the cuttlebone. One imagines it's a cuttlebone. Right. So not only are you keeping budgies, you're murdering fish. Yeah, another reason not to have it. Yeah. Another Although reason. we have to give the dogs food, don't we? Which is then, yeah. I mean, can you give, there is vegan dogs? <laughs> yeah, I know. There is, you can get vegan stuff. They can't with the cats, though. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Poppy would love cornflakes if you gave it her. Oh, my God, yeah, I know. I've just looked at budgie balls, but there is actually a product called budgie balls, and it looks like chewing gum. All right. I imagine they're not the real budgie balls. I'd probably if you put budgie testicles in. If you Google budgie testicles, you'll probably get... Something like that. Watch this, there'll be a product called budgie testicles as well. Well, budgies can get testicular cancer, so I think we can leave it there. Oh, bless Yes, them. they can get testicular well, probably, yeah. cancer. Any, any sort of living, Mammal. breathing... It's a bird, isn't it, though? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They have a little... There you go. So, there you go. Budgie testicles. Poor little things can get budgie testicular cancer. That's terrible. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, sorry, we digress. We digress. Oh, I just had to answer yeah. those questions we needed to know. I know all of you would have been listening. And, what is a cuttlefish? What yeah. is it? I'll have a Google with me. I Do need budgies. to just like, oh, the budgies have balls. I know now. I know now. We know exactly what they are now. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a strange one at the moment. Like I said, I don't think it's ever stopped feeling strange. I just think there's been so many transitions lately. I just think that life has been such a transition. I've still not come to terms with the fact that I might not have any more children. And I'm like in an age group that I know I shouldn't have more children, but I really want them. Mm. it's funny but then I think to myself maybe that's because as a mother you just never lose sight of just how wonderful it was when they were little you know when they were kind of able to make the world a better place and all of that but then I think to myself maybe that nurture and maternal instinct like Emma at the very beginning we were talking about that's what she does she kind of tries to be a mother to everyone doesn't she and I think that maybe that's what you need to do you need to kind of take that feeling and you need to kind of project it elsewhere and I know we talk about fostering when the kids are older and we'll do all of that and adoption and I know that that will fulfil me to some degree. Yeah, I know, and that's also that's that is something that we, we we've been discussing for a long time, and we'll we will eventually have. Yeah, we were going to do the concurrency scheme adoption, and we were going to get a baby from the concurrency scheme, which is basically where you get adopted from day one, mm-hmm. and then within two years, usually you end up having the baby permanently with you, which helps with the abandonment and attachment issues of the family that they're with, or if they go back to the original birth family you basically support them during that process. It's a bit like you're fostering, adopting yeah. for a while. And hopefully that means that because you're seeing that birth family regularly, the child doesn't feel too much of a distinction if they transition back to the main family. And we were like, we can do this, we can do this. And they made out in the initial literature that it was kind of one of those schemes where it was pretty low risk that you'd ever have to give the baby back. Yeah, yeah. The, secondly, <clears throat> the parents themselves, you know, you'd have contact, but it'd be arranged. And we started to go through the process and it was like one out of your area because they don't want you being near the birth family, which I totally understand. Secondly, it could be like five, six times a week that yeah, you needed to well, go and to take the baby there. And then on top of that, they 
wanted you to kind of really try your best to encourage as much contact. So then it like it was, it was almost impossible. And then on top of that, they didn't just want to interview people who know you, your employers, people that you've worked with, friends. They wanted to interview ex-partners. Yeah. Like my ex-partner, I don't have an issue with that. He'd have happily interviewed, but Pete just didn't want anything to do with her. Like it was nasty. It's, yeah, it's really, you didn't want that, and yeah. you're sitting there and you're like, "Wow." I think. I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna get the the, the, the hoops <clears> you've got to jump through and stuff, but the sort of it would have been where uh, five or six times a week to go out of the area to take the, the, yeah. the baby to there, and then spend all that time with them there, up to two hours, three hours. You're not gonna have time to either a work be, or have be time with, with baby with, with the baby or your own family to integrate the baby. I know. Oh, it's it was like just, it was just got. It was like. I know it sounds awful, but it was like it was just you're doing their sort of job to... I don't know, it was... It well, no, I mean, I think I can understand this. Well, my mum used to foster, and it was nothing like that. No, I know, but that concurrency you get them from day one, your mum mm. was never keeping the babies. Well, she did, though. No, one sure. of them who was disabled. That's yeah. a different kettle of fish. It's hard to place disabled children. Yeah, yeah. But disability, um, and on top of that, now the increases in IVF success in donor eggs means that yeah. more children need adopting because I do say, you know, massive form. Our, our two boys that we have, you know, are, 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 I just think they're the best boys in the world, you know. And, and, you know. I just thought, why not interview my kids? If you want to know about me as a mother and you as a father, yeah. just talk to our children because... They're really lovely and yeah. they're bright and they're fun and they're nice. caring, all of those things. Yeah. So why not talk to them? Yeah, it's a very, very odd sort of procedure, wasn't it? Well, so no, it's probably the right procedure, well, yeah, but I, I just I felt... It, you've, got to, you've got to protect children. Yeah, of course, they're the primary. It was very... Well, it just was impossible. Yeah, it was impossible. <clears throat> but that, So I think that that part of me as well has just kind of really needs to be put somewhere. And I guess that that's one of the elements yeah. that... I mean, there's a lot of older, older, older young people out there, kids. I know, I want to take a sibling group in the end. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's sad, isn't it? I mean, dogs and kids, you know, and we're just like, we're just going to... Oh, no, I'm a sucker for anything that needs help. Well, we've got a big garden. We've got a big garden, so, you know, we can eventually... I don't think we should keep kids in the garden. I'm not sure that, you know... Well, that's my... Even under the That's my diamond mine idea down the scupper, scupper and down the pan. Yeah, um... No, I mean for animals, but yeah, kids, I think that's our future, isn't it? I don't know what my future is. I think, mm. I don't know. I don't, living know. In a I don't even want to try to think about on it. On a commune selling seashells. <laughs> I'm not sure. Selling seashells. I'm not sure that that will make us a decent living, but it's fine. Obviously, I'm going to win the Euro Millions. That's definitely what's happening. Definitely what's happening. The queue on that one. I do think that just our age demographic is one of those demographics that just genuinely does have to think... Di- I know it sounds daft. Maybe it's because my dad got so ill recently. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what's happened. The fact that Pam died last year mm-hmm. and I unequivocally and unapologetically miss her every single day. Yeah. Um, that my mum and dad have always been like really important to me. Don't get me wrong. I mean, my mum and dad... I don't need them for anything other than their presence. You know, I don't rely on them for anything in particular. In fact, they rely on me, but I like that. I yeah. like them relying on me. I like them ringing me and asking me to sort the doctor's appointments and asking me to figure things out. And then when you kind of sit there and it's coming up to Christmas and I was talking to somebody the other day who's had two significant losses this year and they were like, oh, my Christmas table is going to feel yeah. so strange. You know, every year, like I do a bit last Christmas, you know, I burst into tears on Christmas morning. That was what happened. And um, I just couldn't quite believe that 
it was going to be my first Christmas without her, and it's going to be my second Christmas without her. And I know it's just normal, and it's life's a journey of loss, and that's it. It's a journey of loss undertaking to do it joyfully. I say that all the time. And me and you were talking the other day, and I was saying, I just don't have any fear of death at all. Yeah. Like, I just don't see death as scary in the slightest. And when I work with people with health anxiety, particularly based around a fear of death, because obviously health anxiety is about wanting to be healthy so you don't yeah. die, I just, one of those areas where I just have this kind of desire to soothe them because it's like, you know, it's cool. It's like, it's what we do. It's like death. It's what's meant to happen. It's yeah. as important as life. I think I was, I, I think I, throughout growing up and, you know, getting on with things, I think I've been scared. I was scared of death, I think. Because mm. I never really thought about it, but I guess, you know, I think since the accident and things like that, the big sort of impact on me, those sort of situations throughout your life, um, yeah, I think I was a little bit scared, but since I've been with you, so like the past six, seven years, you know, it's... You don't care, you're like, I welcome death. I w- waking <laughs> up every day with her. I just pray for it to end. No, you know, oh, no, I'm awake again. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> I guess there'll probably be a lot of people asking stuff like that, you know, like, what's it like to live with Emma Kenny? Because, like, you know, you're always helping people and, you, you know... Is it, is I don't it, think it? anybody gives a shit. No, no, but, you know, because people have asked, you know... And, and, it's uh, like it's like this. It's like yeah. we sit with puppies. But it's just that you have Talk sort shit. of unlocked a lot of... I've been therapised to a point where I'm, like, fucking just null, you know what I mean? But I think I'm not scared of death anymore because of the conversations we've had and the way that you've discussed it and... And, and you're... I'm scared of anything happening to my children because oh I'd be God, scared yeah, of the of course, agony of yeah. living without them. But when it comes down to those feelings of wanting to live for a long time, it's like, obviously, it's really nice, the idea of getting to 90 and having a big grandchildren family and maybe a great-grandchild. And that's a really great feeling. But literally, the moment that I feel incapacitated or I've had enough, oh, I'm just going to dignitas myself. Oh, I'm coming with you. Yeah, I mean, it's just Massive not an party, issue. You know. Yeah, just going to get myself on that boat, get myself over there, yeah. pop it's it in my arm. the experiences are, are not going to be experiences anymore. It's going to be a struggle for you to, you know, you're not going to be able to do the thing. I don't know, life's fleeting in it but for life's also just a big uh, bucket of experiences yeah I don't want to get to a point where I just can't enjoy day to day life mm. and so as soon as that starts to diminish I'm going to see myself off definitely but in a way that is really open and celebrated and I think that that's about making peace with death. Like me and death, a bit like me and anxiety, you know. Me and anxiety, she's always there, but I've got used to her. Now I kind of use her for my advantage and motivate myself and remind myself to do things that calm me down. And she's always going to be there, but I'm cool with it. Death's a bit the same. I kind of hold the hand of death. I'm like, I'm not afraid of it. It's always with me. Every yeah. single second, it's a second further that that's pushing me towards it. And it's all completely okay. And it's the most natural thing ever. And every time I lose someone, whether it's Pam, whether it's my parents, whether it's my dogs and my cats, you're just reminded of, like you said, the fleeting experience and the fact that we were all sat outside, weren't we, with the kids the other day, and I was just like, it's weird thinking somebody will live in this house that isn't us one day. Yeah. And there'll be that families. Reminds me, actually, that... yeah, I need to put, I'm going to do the age-old thing of we have a lot of trees in our back garden, I'm going to, and because you don't have to do it now, with a pen knife, because someone might be looking, I'm going to get a chisel and I'm going to put our names just in the top of one of the trees. Of all, just of remembering our, our moments here. Then, yeah, it'll be there for another 200, 300 years. I know. It's crazy, isn't it, that? Because our trees are protected in the back garden, mm. so we can't cut them down, which we wouldn't want to cut them down. And um, 
you can't help but just think one day we will just be those names engraved in the trees. We'll have gone and we'll have been past all of us. And yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Weirdly. Well, that's because you were a massive romantic when you were younger and you just dreamt of a time that you'd be able to put somebody's names into a tree that was your girlfriend. With a heart and an arrow through it. <laughs> and then like a bit later on, just like with a swear word underneath when it broke down, like, a broken heart <laughs> and a sad face. Oh, maybe it's a tattoo on <laughs> the arm with a massive name. <laughs> yeah, Pete yeah. had his ex-wife's uh, name. Obviously, not after they got divorced. That would be entirely strange. It was massive. You yeah, he had her name right across it. And it was there. It's, it's, it's been lasered off. And I'll tell you what, getting a laser tattoo, it's like someone cooking your arm. And um, That's what my facial was like. Yeah. Literally. It? Oh, my God, oh yeah. It was like, honestly. The smell oh. of burning flesh. That, that actually hurts more than getting a tattoo. Because you know what's happening, you're sort of like, you're not getting some... There's no benefit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I have a, an old school breakdancing ghetto blaster now, which is... I used to have, I used to have that ghetto blaster. One, Mark Pumford, you've met Mark, um, he was at Pam's funeral. He was one of my good mates at school. Well, Pam and him were boyfriend and girlfriend for a long time. He's a pilot now. He's very, very, oh. he's very, very, very... Very educated. Biggles, what, what? No, he's just lovely. Oh, he's I adore Mark. Fire, fire. He's amazing. So he's in the <laughs> RAF and now he's a big commercial and he lives in Hong Kong. But he came over as he is very, very loyal and he came over. And But there was a time when I had a mini Metro. It was the Metro Miami. The Metro Miami didn't do very well. I got it and six weeks later the engine blew up. But fortunately I knew somebody who was a mechanic. And so he put an ex-police car engine in my car. <laughs> and it cost me 150 quid, which is an amazing bargain. And so begins my journey on my Metro Miami. You put like, an ex-police engine in your yeah, car? That's brilliant. It was, it was great. You should so, have put like massive wheels in it and stuff. You know? Well, yeah, it was a Metro Miami, let's not go too far. So I had this Metro in Miami and I didn't have a sound system. It was as simple as that. It was like one of the standard ones. You know, he didn't even have a tape or anything. So Mark gave me his ghetto blaster and I swear to you now, it took up half of the back seat. Yeah. And I would drive around using that as my... Did it only have one tape player on it? No, it was no. massive. Oh, no, because they're the best ones. It had two, oh, and two. it had a CD. Because oh, CDs right. have been around a long time. Yeah. You're talking about when I was in my 20s, CDs were there, and it was yeah, his. Yeah. So he gave it me, and I would play my stuff in there. And nobody ever tried to steal it, because you'd have needed three of you to yeah. actually carry it away. How many batteries did you go through? My gosh. I did actually go through quite a lot yeah. of batteries. Like but eight of the big ones, and then like you it never used to the fast forward ones. or you never used to fast forward or rewind. It didn't go horrendously well, through it, it though. I'll be honest you, with you. Yeah, if you I played it, if didn't you have a lot it. of money back then, mm. and I and it accompanied to me to Swansea when I lived in Swansea. It was there, my metro in Miami. That was the same Miami that I was driving when I had been to an animal rights party, and. Anybody who lived in the 90s um, and 2000s with animal rights interests will know that you have some pretty mad parties. And I had gone to this abandoned farmhouse. That's a lie. I made it abandoned in my house. It was just messy, Emma. They still lived there. I went to this place where <laughs> people had got this really, really West Wales mental farmhouse really done in, like wild. And it was just packed absolutely packed i kind of gone to a meeting in swansea mumbles and i had like a group meeting with these people i didn't really know and they were like oh what are you doing now and i was like oh nothing because i didn't have any friends because i'd only moved there easily they're like you want to come party and i was like oh yeah i'll definitely go to a party so i got them all in my car the ones that i could take got there felt wholly out of place but it was mental and halfway through <laughs> um i don't really remember but there was somebody like painting people with different bits and bobs and didn't really take any notice 
And I set off about two o'clock in the morning and I didn't drink. So off I go. I'm in my metro and the police are behind me. And I don't know why, but I get the fear of me. Yeah, no, when I was younger, no, no. I get the fear if I saw the police. And I was like properly having the fear. And I was even pretending like my music was on and it wasn't on. But I was trying to look really normal. And I was thinking, what do you do at two o'clock in the morning kind of thing? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to sing along. Anyway, they pulled me over and I was thinking, oh, I didn't have done nothing wrong, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that light was out apparently. And um, told me that I needed to do it. And he said to me, Are you, you know, you're right. And he said, it's quite late. And I just went, I just lied. I just went, oh, I've been working a late shift. I work at Childline. I did work at Childline, yeah. but I was like work, working a late shift. And he was like, oh, all right, okay. And he looked at me and he was like, get that fixed. And I was like, all right, I will. You give me a producer. Police officer, don't give me a producer. No, he didn't. No. He didn't give me a producer. I mean, I've had a producer once. Not when I had a bit of a crash. And, uh, well, somebody crashed into me. And I drove home and I got back to the place that I was staying. And I walked in and I looked in the mirror. And on my head was an enormous circle of orange paint that must have glowed in the dark. And I'd completely forgotten that at some point some guy had painted this big circle. So he must have looked at me. He might have just thought you had a ringworm. He must like, oh, have oh, looked at me and thought, man, you are such a blagger. <laughs> Do you know? But I was like too embarrassed to go. I've just been to a mental party with a group of animal rights vegans. Yeah. Unbelievable. I can't, yeah. I'm getting pulled towards that. I mean, I remember once... I used to have, I was waiting the first person in, in the sort of area to get a set of like twi- the Technics 1210s, you know, so what I'd do is, I'd, and you know, for anybody who has, a, a Technics 1210 is a record player uh, that, that sort of DJs use, so the professional, like you see all the guys scratching with them and stuff, but they are heavy, you can actually stand on them and it'll turn around, you know, it's, they're heavy, like, so I used to take them, you know, four CDs and stuff, like, I used to take them to like people's houses uh, for parties, you know, and obviously, they'd end up getting left there because there was no way after the party I was going to be stumbling around with them. Because I used to have to put one on top of each other, you know, then with a the mix on top of that, and then carry... Pete didn't re- drive for a very records, long time. Yeah, carry records. And also, I was drinking and whatever, you know what I mean? So I wasn't going to drive anyway. But I remember one night we'd been around the girls' house where they'd been kept there, and we all used to chill around there, loads of us, you know. I was only young, and I was just like, I need to take them home, I want, you know, because I want to play with them when I get them set up in my, my, my bedroom at the time, you know. And it was doing like half two, three o'clock in the morning, and she lived like two miles from my house. Oh. You know? So I said, I'll get my records. I'd only take my records, sorry. So my records are at home. And I literally, and the mixer. So I literally got these two decks. And I was in a bit of, not in a total worse for wear state, but I was a little bit sort of, you know, like, wee, you know. So, and, and I just stumbled out like half two, three o'clock in the morning with these two decks, wires everywhere. You know, and I remember like, just must have been about five minutes from home. You know, I'd have been found black. in a bush I shelter. Look like, you know, like <laughs> proper sort of like hip hoppy wear, you know, sort of the baggy jeans, like pin rolls and like night trainers and stuff, you know. And I was still, <laughs> I looked, I think I might have had dreadlocks or something, but you know, <laughs> this police car just drove past and just like, just looked at me, you know, like two, you know, and I was like, you know, half two o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting there with like a thousand pounds worth of, you know, record players and that, you know, and, and um, yeah, they eventually they, they turned around and pulled me over and they, just, they just didn't believe me at all, you know. So I said, just follow me then to my home with me, you know. <laughs> and they had to follow me down. Just literally, two, they didn't give me a lift, man, you know. I know, how was, ridiculous. Know, yeah. So I walked literally just like, oh, because was, I was under arrest at all the time. Yeah. Me, you know. Um, yeah, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I got the fear then, I tell you that now. Oh, you know, and, and I just fear. started coming out with stuff. I can't remember <laughs> what it was, but I do recall coming out with just like random, just like, yeah, yeah, uh, dry mouth and stuff, you know, like, yeah, just uh, 
been working at my mates, but doing like, Hello. you know, and it's just like, you know, and they were looking at me they like... They just make you feel guilty. Yeah, and because it was such a small town, the guy was called Sergeant Petrick, and his, you know, and it was different, and it was like this... Sergeant Petrick? Yeah, you know, and he was like, he was proper... Hardcore. Everybody knew who he was, you know, and he was, he wasn't a nice person, you know, and he, um, he, he didn't like so many of us, because he knew, everybody knew the faces, and everybody knew him, and he knew the faces, everybody, and it was just like, he was just, he just didn't believe me. It's like, and I felt like saying, do you really think that I'd be walking at half past two in the morning with a thousand pounds worth of record players on me if I just nicked them? Well, you yeah, he does, because he's a copper and yeah. that happens quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that stupid, though. I'd have stashed them and gone back for them, wouldn't I? It's no. just bizarre. Unless he caught me actually been going back. From, no, anyway, I'd have waited till the daytime. But it's so weird how know, The fear when back, you get yeah. when, you just, when you're young and you just make stuff up. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just honestly embarrassing. Oh, Even so now, if I see a police officer, I just feel immediately like I want to just admit guilt for things I haven't done. I know. Like I if know. I was questioned about a murder, I'd just be like, did I, <laughs> did I, did I, do I don't know whether I've done it now because you're making me feel like a woman I was there and they'd go, where were you last week? I, mean, I don't know. I've not <laughs> known where I was last Wednesday ever. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's bizarre. Like, what were you doing on the evening of the 22nd of June? Yeah. You'd be like, well, let me get my diary out. There's nothing there. there. I probably, I think I was probably just sat at home. There may have been wine involved, you know. Oh, gin. Yeah. Yeah, nice gin with fever Wait a minute. Were you drinking heavily then? Oh no, no, yeah. But heavily enough that you don't remember. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, I did it. I did it. When you say you were sat at home, you mean at the murder scene? What? Did you have access to any weapons? Well, I had some knives. You had knives. You were carrying knives. I wasn't carrying a knife. You were in the kitchen drawer. Kitchen drawer. You had a whole smoking drawer of knives. It's like a clue from bloody three, two, one that we've been having. Oh gosh, yeah, three to one. I know you never did it today, Fred Rogers. Fred Rogers. Ted Rogers. <laughs> Fred Rogers. Ted Rogers' brother uh, does the weather. Shut up. <laughs> and on that note, we will uh, leave it for another week of Making Sense of It, of which we have once again confirmed yeah. the fact that we never make very much sense at all. Yeah. Apologies for our ramblings, but yeah. this I mean, is our reality. Leave us a comment. Give us a subscribe. Give us a share. Whenever, and definitely you know. come back next week when we know whether we've been transformed by Amma's hugs. I am a bit worried because we did do a podcast about her and it was really nice, but we did kind of jokingly refer to it potentially as a bit of a nice cult and cult really isn't the best thing to associate anybody like that with. So apologies to any of her listeners that apparently have been listening. We didn't really mean no, it was No, 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 it was, yeah. It was. it was kind of a, what do you call a mass amount of people who follow somebody that's doing mm-hmm. something to do with beliefs? A church, I suppose. Nice, yeah. But the point yeah. is, she has a congregation, and we just jokingly said that. But now I'm offended that I did that because of the fact that they've been listening, and they were like, "Oh, we really like your podcast." I'm like, "Oh." No, but I, I recall the podcast we did. It was, it was, it was absolutely fine. It was when you get there, you're sort of quite sceptical, aren't you? When you start realising. No, oh, no. At the end of it, you're like, you're "Oh, I'm like, such a bad human. No, I need to be more it's like this sort woman." Of human nature to sort of try and find yeah. the fault in things, and yeah. literally they do not have any faults. I mean, yeah, they're the they... most wonderful, come from the most wonderful backgrounds. There's a young man that we met who was married to a young lady who worked there and he was like the curator of the... Prague or something, No, the it? Vienna, wasn't Vienna, it? Vienna, wasn't it? The, the yeah. Vienna National Museum, Vienna Museum. Museum Art, Art Gallery. Museum, and it was just like really cultured out of his head. It's brilliant. <coughs> if you anybody know? is really interested in it, Amma's going to be at Sandown Park in Surrey yeah. between Wednesday and the... Friday. 13th, 14th, 14th is it? Today. Wednesday 14th. 
today, Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Um, and it's free. Anybody can come yeah. along. You just, just get need a token. To get a token online. Yeah. Free food, free vibes, kindness. And meditation. Yeah, meditation. Yeah, uh, group meditation and stuff like that. It'll just give you a bit of, you know, might be your thing, but if you're over that way, check it out, you know, and see, go and hug a saint. Unfortunately, if you can't check it out, don't worry, because we are doing. Yeah. See you next week. See you.